0: Connect with us on social media, at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who scored the same number of touchdowns as the Texas offense on Saturday, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh,
1: Yeah, that... um, I don't even have anything witty, that's true. I I was going to say, maybe I I got out of plane ride to touchdown, but I haven't done that either, so... Just as bad as the uh, as the Texas offense, I guess. Oof, Gerald, we're going to talk about it, but um, <clears throat> when Oklahoma hired defensive mastermind Brett Venables and, and Texas hired offensive mastermind Steve Sarkeesian, um, I don't know that each of these teams would expect their respective units to perform uh, the way they have. Um, uh, yeah, a big 12 game in 2022 turned into an sec game from 2008. Uh, it was, it was a wild one.
0: Was this an offensive breakdown from both? Well, let me say it like this. I feel like it was an offensive breakdown from one team and a defensive step up from the other It's really what it felt like to me. Granted, TCU did a lot to really shut down what Texas wanted to do on the offense. We cannot shortchange their effort in what they did, uh, to keep, You B. John Robinson from getting a full head of steam But we've got a lot to talk about tonight Obviously we'll start off with whatever the heck That was on Saturday Women's basketball had a disappointing outing uh, This afternoon as well Against UConn Uh, Soccer is the one pride Soccer and volleyball, the one pride we have going on Moving forward Men's basketball over Houston Christian So a big win for them Um, We'll talk about cross country Obviously we'll close the show out with some bang the drum As well So um, Kyle, we said this in the post-game live stream, but if you told me that Texas holds Max Duggan to 124 yards and one touchdown, holds TCU to 17 points, Texas has five sacks in this game, I would have lost my mortgage money this month. Like I would have put that everything whole mortgage payment and probably a a small chunk of my children's college fund on Texas minus seven, because that is the like, that is the winning formula for beating TCU. Nobody has done that to that offense this year. And the Texas defense came out and did it. The only problem with that was the TCU defense did that to the Texas offense. Texas put up a historically bad offensive performance. Even if you add in, the 15 sack yards by Texas to the rushing total, they were just eight yards off from the bottom 20 rushing performances. Without the sack yards added in, Texas was tied with a 19, I think it was 57. 1957, seven, 7 tie with the Baylor Bears for the worst rushing performance in school history. You have to go back uh, to basically when our parents were born, Kyle, for defined rushing performances that awful. In a year where we haven't seen Texas play complimentary football in a game yet, this is objectively the worst one.
1: Yes, Gerald, I, Like, do you want to start... Yeah, let's start with that with a high level overall. I think we were a bit harsh on the Texas special teams um, because TCU. I mean, it's it's an old trope, right? That the punter is a flopper, and and there was a really critical penalty that led to TCU's you know touchdown um, in a game that didn't have many points. That was one of the decisive plays. I think you know you take that out because it was uh, a very very. A, a, most generously it was a very uh, chintzy call we'll put it that way
0: what got called once earlier but a 5 yard variety.
1: sure sure I, I like i said i just think we were pretty harsh on that the unit if you take that out you know otherwise they were they were they were good i mean there was a big return they covered uh, well uh, the, you know in a game that we didn't expect that an opening punt uh, or kickoff uh, coverage that stopped them at like the 12 i think basically led the field position for the first half where neither team scored and they just slowly went back and forth. Um, Texas couldn't take advantage of it, neither could TCU. Um, crazy 3-0 at the half, just, I mean, wild. Um, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, let's start, keep it at the high level for a moment. Um, the special teams was was, was good, was fine. Um, the, the offense was not the defense was phenomenal. We'll get into a little bit just how good the defense was. I mean, I think they were they were you know two busted plays away from being perfect. Uh, otherwise, they, in, in in modern football, it's just hard to never have the damn break. Um, but especially when you're you know playing with with injuries and guys in there and everything. But um, just really, really, really incredible defensive play that was that was wasted. Right? I mean, you just didn't. You didn't necessarily see the defense playing that good, and you, there's no world in which you saw the offense playing that bad. I mean, TCU's defense stepped up exponentially, um, and and the Gary Patterson factor trumped any type of, you know, Riley family magic. Uh, and, and, you know, TCU's offense, which had been explosive and, and dangerous and led them pretty much single-handedly to the undefeated record, was, was held at bay. I mean— the defense without a doubt including seven points on the board from a touchdown played winning not just winning football played phenomenal football like like we we talked about you know 3 to 0 at the half like if a texas team gives up three points in the first half you imagine they have a three score lead at halftime and and we all at we least. all kind of thought okay that's what we needed right like we joked about how big of a lead we would need because of the second half collapses. Um, Giving up three points would have gotten you there, right? Like if Texas scored 28 and they were up 25 to three, we all, or uh, excuse me, uh, uh, 28 to three up by 25 points, you you would have felt like, all right, can they hold it in the second half? But I mean, the defense did their part and they did their part in the second half. Um, Yeah, it just, it was was quite frustrating to to have to watch them abandon the running game because they, they, they couldn't, get things on first down to put them in positions because it looked like, you know, tech mobile when they call your play a lot of times when they tried to run off tackle zone to Bijan and four guys met him in the backfield. um, You know, it it, it just, it was, it was frustrating to watch that and then to see, oh, we have no passing game today, whether it's drops, whether it's, um, you know, miscommunications between receiver and quarterback, lack of effort, lack of ball placement. Quinn talked about his footwork since then. I mean, Offense, just, just so bad. Defense, so good. And you almost think that that could have been a wash. Like, if, if the offense was just maybe not as bad as, as the defense was good. Like, if they were just, eh, it was a pretty terrible day instead of, oh, my God, that burn it down, rebuild it. Like, that's how bad that offensive performance was. It was, it was honestly difficult to watch. It was hard to watch football. It felt like watching Iowa.
0: I would have taken the Texas offense against Texas Tech or Oklahoma State. Over this offense, of course, and like we, the like the most frustrating part about this is like, can TCU had not been held under four hundred yards this year. The Texas defense did. 117 yards better than that. They held them under 300 yards, 283 total yards, averaging 7.3 yards per play, 3.88 yards per play in this contest. Like this is the worst offensive performance by TCU since 2019, right? The best, if, if you eliminate the OU game from this year for the Texas defense, the last time they did this was rice. Like that's how good the defense was. And I feel bad for a guy like DeMarvian Overshone, who was very clearly like left it all out of the field. 11 tackles, um, five a half sack, uh, the tackle for loss. Like, dude led. Like, Jaday Barron stepped up like a like a monster in that game. Love seeing him. Barron Sorrell burst onto the scene as well. Like, those guys, like, got the memo that this was a must-win game and could propel the the program to where Texas fans want it to be. They got the memo and whatever happened on offense. And again, TCU did a lot to neutralize what Texas likes to do. They really like TCU did what Texas normally does to teams, where they took away what what they want to do, which is run B. John Robinson, and forced Quinn Ewers to try to beat him. And Quinn Ewers in this passing game were just unable to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean I I hinted at it earlier, right? Texas in in the game that we predicted, the the you know, ground and pound, Big 12's number one versus number two, Bijan being number one, Bijan got his fewest touches, not just of the year, it matches his fewest career touches since he's become a, a starter with 12. He ended a um, 24 straight games, I believe, streak with, with a catch. Um, again, if Quinn Ewer sees him wide open uh, on a wheel route, uh, that streak continues, the score looks different, and probably the whole trajectory of the game looks different. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was tough because it wasn't necessarily wrong uh, that that they went away from, from Bijan because it, it really, like, it, it just, they didn't set it up. I think it, on their first down uh, runs, you know, they, they, they just utterly did nothing. They, they put it in second and long and every script tells you you have to pass them, right? Like, you, you can't run it three times. We would also be mad if it's, you know, second and nine and we're running and then it's third and eight and you're going to run again. Like, I mean, it's it's that also doesn't work in 2022. Um, I think I saw the stat that Texas under under Sark is 0-6 uh, when throwing 34-plus times, right? They are a team that wins with balance. Um, they throw when they have to. And this is a game where it felt like they had to, but they couldn't. I mean, I mean, just utterly inefficient. First time since that 2015 Notre Dame game where they were under 200 yards total. Um, it was anemic. I mean, it, it was uh, Ewers tried to get him over the 200 yards with with some rushing yards, but he uh, that one was was called back with a with a hold because anytime Quinn Ewers uses his legs, it automatically is flagged. I guess. Um, but you know, the the interceptions were, were tough. It just the. the the deep shots, just the, the inefficiency of the deep ball right now is probably the most worrying thing. Yes, there were drops. Tatavian Sanders, I, I don't think is going to be a, 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 dropping is going to be a, an, an epidemic for him. One of his drops, it wasn't, he should have caught it, but it was a tough third down. It was low, hit him in the, you know, below the knees, but you, you think he catches that. And, uh, you know, Worthy had one just go through his hands. early. I mean, there were drops, sure. But 17 for 39 tells me unless the team had 15 drops uh you're, you're you're not uh putting the ball where you need to you know and and uh there was one of the interceptions was certainly or I guess it ended up being a drop but it was an arm punt and I would have taken the, the interception but the, the 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 one that was caught um it was just it was his first completed deep ball over the middle in a couple games he threw it up and they caught it at least someone caught one um I don't know man I it, it this was this was not a good worthy game. He's he's masked some of his deep ball issues with some really good red zone routes and and hands to to catch touchdowns um, the past couple weeks. Um, but he he has not been there with the deep ball. I think Stark said the only player on offense who played winning football was Jordan Whittington. I think it's true. Six catches for yeah. seventy eight yards. A lot of that after the catch. He looked like he ran hard. He obviously blocked like he did. Um, if we had two guys playing with the heart of, of Whittington, um, you know maybe something different happens. Usually you rely on your Roshan Johnson or Bijan to step up. But because we the, the running game was entirely neutered. They didn't have the chance. And because neither of them featured in the passing game, only six players touched the football, um, you didn't have a chance for those guys to really make an impact, to make a difference, to make you know those culture plays where you spark something in the offense. Whittington tried it. Sanders even recovered and tried it. Again, Gerald, when you get a catch, a great catch, to get to the one-yard line for a first down and you have four chances from the one and you can't punch it in, when you have another and goal to go and you can't punch it in, you go four times and turn it over on downs Two goal line situations and you get three points out of it. I mean, that's, that's on the whole team. It's on the play calling us in the offensive line. It's on the quarterback on the running back on, you know, the assistant staffers it's on the crowd. I don't know. It's on everyone uh, associated.
0: <laughs> it's it's just terrible.
1: I mean, it's just frankly bad. And when a game is this close, when when points matter this much, the fact that it's right there for you again, We'll talk about defense and the two busted plays that they got their points. Well, you know, great returns, great coverage on special team to set up field position, uh, scoop and score. I mean, all the complimentary things that you want for an offense to put you in position to succeed from your other parts of the game, and you just failed. The offense just utterly failed this team.
0: Yeah, I think the stats that that jump out to me the most of what you were talking about there, um, Texas had 10... run stuff. It's 45% of their rushing attempts of the game were met at the line or went for a loss, um, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Texas average distance to go on third down 10.3 yards, which is wild because they averaged 4.8 yards on first down. So something weird happened on second downs that put Texas behind the chain. And then the, the thing that really, and you, you I, I don't know what it is. And, and I have my own thoughts and theories, but I'm not going to put them out there. But Over the last three weeks, Texas, um, Xavier, or Quinn Ewer specifically, has targeted Xavier Worthy 36 times and has completed just 12 of them. Now, three of those completions are for touchdowns, but like... That is not good. And so many of those were deep shots. So many of those were them having him run straight at the goalpost and Quinn Ewers not being able to put it on there. And Quinn mentioned it in the Monday press conference uh, that he feels like his footwork is bad. And I feel like uh, I would agree with you, Quinn. That's probably why your deep balls are not going where they need to be and why they're sailing. Uh, But like that to me is just – That is the curiosity over these last two weeks, Texas has not really been able to hit the deep ball. And these were two must win games for uh, Texas to to hold its own destiny to hold its own cards for um, the conference championship. And so they were five of 20 for 97 yards on passes uh, on attempts longer than 15 yards. Right. Where Texas needs to hit a chunk play to relax his defense a little bit. Just couldn't do it. 4.7 yards per attempt on deep passes over the last two weeks like that's not going to get it done and that's on the quarterback and that's on on the head coach who's a quarterback coach and the quarterback coach on, on staff that's also a quarterback coach like there are three people that I think uh really need to have some kind of come to Jesus conversations and and they're all touching Quinn Hewers
1: yeah and, and just a couple things right like there was a lot of conversation of should Hudson Card have gotten a, a play there and I understand Ewers is is your featured guy and last year probably too quick to pull the trigger with card and thompson in the shuffle and never really got right there um and and so maybe you know he was airing maybe maybe there's a conversation with card about preserving another year of eligibility for his transfer i don't know i don't know the ins and outs but it's very clear and in this this was the oklahoma state game and this game where conversations texts we were having group group messages is you know is it too late if sark should have made the the change did he Need to do it, you know, in the beginning of the second half. And by the time it's the fourth quarter, it's it's too late. So in, in two different games, we're saying, ah, it's too late to pull the guy. It, it, I don't like that conversation. I hate that it's happening. But Sark seems loyal both to yours and to the deep ball. And so, like you said, if he's going to keep calling it, then they have to improve it. If it's footwork, if it's timing, if it's, you know, eye discipline, if, if it's, you know, changing up the, the max protect where you're really running, two receivers and teams kind of know that now a a beautiful innovation to help the offensive line is now maybe turned into a a hindering of, of the offensive playbook. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but if you are, if, if Sark is beholden to taking those deep shots, it is part of his philosophy that he believes you have to take the top off of defense and TCU challenged them and said, we will squeeze the middle hard. And I think every team that plays Texas will copy that and say, we will take away the run. We will take away as much of the medium pass as we can, good luck getting us over the top. If you can do it, you can do it. And so they, they challenged him and Sark fell into it and he tried it and kept blindly thinking, Oh, it'll happen. Oh, it'll be here. But when you do that and you take those shots and it puts you further behind the chain, you, you Bijan had, yeah, you know, I think six touches in the second half. It takes your two best, pl- two of your four best players on offense in in Bijan and Roshan out of the game, out of the equation entirely. Um, I don't know. Like it, yeah, if it's if it's not those receivers that are out there who are going to step up and make plays, then it has to be the 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 changing of the plays that you're calling. Like that that's that's just that's all I can say about that. I think Sark has to have that conversation with himself. He has to have a come to Jesus internally. It starts with him. There's no one else. They can work on yours and and get things right there. But I think it starts right now at the top with 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 Sark deciding what type of coach he's going to be and how he's going to finish the year.
0: And I think that's a fair criticism and commentary to have. We're not saying Texas needs to move no, on from Sark, no. but I think Sark needs Sark needs to have a, a candid conversation with himself in the mirror and uh, decide who and what he's going to be as a head coach. Is he going to go down with his pride like somebody uh, a couple of hours away from, from uh, Austin, or is he going to make the necessary changes to um, – to try to be successful. And I think we would both love to see Sark successful. We like a lot of things about Steve Sarkisian. Uh, the, the way he's recruiting and building momentum around the organization in spite of some frustrating on the field results is uh, incredible and really indicative of what this could be if he can get it together. So you and I both vehemently hope that uh, he can be the dude and make the changes that uh, he needs to, to to get this thing moving in the right direction so we touched on it kind of here and there in and out a little bit, uh, in the meta conversation of the game, but specifically talking about the defense, uh, this was an all timer for the Texas defense and Pete Kwiatkowski and asterisk Gary Patterson. We're not the, we're not the guys that are going to give, um, not going to look past the fact that Gary Patterson probably did have a hand in game planning, but when push comes to shove, this is Pete Kwiatkowski. This is the defense Pete Kwi- Kwiatkowski plays. Pete Kwiatkowski was the one on the sideline with the helmet and the. Be- I didn't realize his beard was like that. He had like <laughs> this. He had this nice looking um, silver beard going that I was very impressed with. The Texas defense went out there and played itself a heck of a game, and really outside of two ma- major plays that were the difference uh, in the game, right? The the miscommunication between John A. Barron uh, and the cornerbacks that that resulted in a 31-yard busted coverage touchdown for quentin johnston and then a uh, big run by kendra miller a 75-yard rush that diamante tucker dorsey was kind of out of position and it just was one of those like somebody got reached and things popped off um two two big plays right tc was an, an offense that thrives on these mm-hmm. big chunk plays texas limited them to two which is absolutely incredible um and again the difference in the game and you cannot say anything but nice things about the defense in this context max duggan who i have been standing on a soapbox for weeks he's a legitimate heisman candidate had his first non-heisman candidate game against texas right like both in the context of him playing texas and this year right that works on two different levels um Quentin johnston all like the one that got away in my book from texas receivers had again outside of that one third like he was Two for thirty two for thirty-five and a touchdown outside of a thirty-one yard busted coverage. Uh Tay Barber, three receptions, nine yards, right? More than half of Kendra Miller's rushing yardage came on one rush right like the Texas defense did what it was supposed to and had a really really incredible game and I cannot say this enough if you had if I had woken up to a text message with just this like screenshot of the TCU uh, defense's statistical perform or the TCU offense's statistical performance on Saturday I'd be without my shirt today because I would have bet all of the money (laughs) on Texas winning the game because the defense the defense didn't just play winning football that's championship level football the defense played and it's so sad to see it go by the wayside and be overshadowed by the wet fart that was the offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, right, like you, you said it. I think some credit, some big credit needs to go put some respect on Pete Kukowski's name, right? Like they're, they're top 20 in yards per play, yards per rush. Um, you know, fourth in, in yards per completion, which means they're completing a lot of short ones, I get it. Um top 25 in, in points per game, which is which is big, top fifty in yards per game. Um we talked about two things, right? We talked about the offensive line needing to just be good be decent, be something we're not talking about all the time. We didn't talk about it in our offense uh, prediction, even though TCU to their credit, defensive line was great, but uh you know, they weren't the glaring weakness. And we said the defense just needs to take steps forward. Both those things have happened. What we didn't see, of course, was the offensive regression. But both those things have, without a doubt, happened. I believe it was Horn Sports who first put it out there, but it's it's made its rounds around the internet. With like the the three top twenty offenses in scoring that that uh, Texas has played this year have all scored less than twenty points. They've scored their season low in Alabama, in TCU, in UTSA. Um, they they they've stepped up in big games. It's it's frankly been the how the heck did Spencer Sanders banged up get all those points for Oklahoma State? How the heck did Donovan Smith and in, in Texas Tech get those four? That te- like it's been the more head scratching games that that hurt, and, and that's a problem in its own. But during big games, Texas defense has been up for them, and and again, none bigger uh, than this one, obviously. Um, I will just say this, Gerald: when you talk about most of their their like 35 percent of their offense coming on two. Chunk plays, two broken plays, the touchdown to QJ, and the long touchdown run, um, which was eerily reminiscent of Alabama. Like do really well, have one breakdown, have a running long breakdown. Thirty-seven point four percent. There we the go. Even even you know you do the math. I'll, I'll just do the the, uh, the the spiritual of the numbers, how they feel. Um, look. It, it, uh, that big run came immediately after a play that Jared Wiley was cracking up on the sideline on the fact that he didn't get hold. He's like, how How was that, like, on the edge, five yards from anyone else, one of the most blatant holds of the season, didn't get called? Um, I, I believe it's one of those really wild, just crazy coincidences that every team plays their uh, cleanest game of the season, of course, against Texas. There's two enforced holding penalties against Texas all year for their opposition. It just... Weird coincidence how that happens. Um, and then, you know, the what was it, third and 11, um, where the the really crazy moving abruptly prior to the snap, which, you know, happens at all levels of football. Uh, Sark said in his 25 years of coaching. Uh, he's never seen it called. I guess it is. It's it's like you know, you, it, it, me getting a ticket for hitching my my horse uh, to the to the downtown post. You know, like it's like it's a law in the books, but who has ever enforced that? It's it's you know, I reminiscent of the defensive holding on Puna Ford, right? Like uh, uh, it's yeah, even even the Byron Murphy hands to the face early on was pure Jersey. Like some of the calls were just silly, and the flopping obviously on the special teams, which led. To the busted play the the not called holding which led immediately on the next play next play very next play to the the long run right like yeah a lot so what it's gonna happen they'll miss calls that all is there it sucks but it is a thing but then it's like man those things immediately came off these bogus calls or no calls um i don't know it's just it's frustrating without a doubt because you take some of that out you take like two busted plays out and I I don't think people are understanding. They're saying Texas defense was good. No 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 no. It's Texas defense. This was as good of a defensive performance, not against again a team that is you know out of P five right. Like your Rice's your your whoever you're playing in game one or two, San Jose State, whatever. Take those games out. Big games, especially ranked top five teams. Um, this is the best defensive performance I've seen. Just let's call it in the post Vince Young era, the post you know championship era. Uh, this was as good as I have seen. Max Duggan was a Heisman. Like, we, we were banging that drum because we try to be as, as, as non, yeah, as, as, as impartial as we possibly can. Um, and we, you know, happen to like Melissa Trebwasser and, and I know Gerald was on her podcast last week. And, you know, sometimes it makes it hard to hate a team when they have good people covering them. But um, Max Duggan deserves to probably be the front runner in the Heisman, like coming into this game, that, that was just, if you looked at the stats, that was the truth. Um, again, if you look at just, just Max Duggan, you know, uh, what he did, 124 yards in the air minus 41 uh, on the ground, right? Like if that's with, with sacks, uh, that's 83 yards of offense. He accounted for 83 yards of net offense. This is the Heisman frontrunner, 83 yards. He's a, he's a danger with his legs. We've seen a decade's worth of mobile quarterbacks, including Max Duggan in previous years, destroy Texas uh, with their legs. He is a dual threat, and he got 83 yards, and 31 of that came on one busted play touchdown to Quinton Johnson. You take that out, the rest of his 28 throws and you know five runs on the day, the guy is, is talking about 50 yards. You held one of the best quarterbacks in the country, one of the most explosive offenses, you held him to 50 yards. You, I mean, they ran so many plays in the first half in Texas's zone, and you gave up three points. I mean, they, they had six straight drives in opponent territory, and, and they got three points the whole half out of it. I mean, it, it was, it was like—Gerald and I always talk about how it's the new era of offense, and so it's a new era of defensive expectation. You look at advanced stats, they help you see it because the game's fast. You have more possessions. It's more explosive, more home runs. Offenses are just too good. And we say it's not going to happen where Texas just stops and stops and stops and stops a team. It doesn't happen. You don't give up no points. They score. Good offenses score points. They've done it to every team they've played this year. But Texas did that. They really did that. There was two breaks, again, with busted plays where they got all of their yards. Texas did that. They were so good. Baron Sorrell launched himself into, like, all conference contention with this game. 11 tackles, you know, three tackles for loss, sack and a half. Jalen Ford and and Overshone were great. Barron was, was elite. A lot of just open field solo tackle. It's like when Texas hit a guy in this game, they went down. The swarming to defense was great, but they also just made the first tackle. They busted through blocks to to make tackles and, and screens behind the line. They, they, the TCU offense just couldn't do what they wanted to do. They got one big run, and it opened up some of the running game again when you get a little tired and also late in the game when they're going for strips because they know they have to do that to win the game. They got one of them, but they felt like they had to do that. So some of those yards, again, also came from that. But this was an all-timer of a game. Like I, I I'm very curious – uh, to to see everyone rank this and score this pro football focus and everyone else, but like zoom out of just this year and think about it in the context. Like we have not seen this performance from a Texas defense. And again, we are the one who hired the offensive minded head coach. You thought if this was with Brent Venable's team, you say, yeah, that's why you hired that coach, a Gary Patterson team. That's why you hire the coach. He's focused on defense. The fact again, that that defensive performance was wasted. It's just heartbreaking. It, it truly Seeing DeMarvey Overshown after the game talk about how he left it on the field and how devastating it was that that performance didn't get him anything. I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking.
0: So just for, for context, if you, I, if you, I like to skip over the OU game from this year, based upon like what OU was that week, you gotta go back to, uh, Iowa state of uh, 2018 vintage to get a conference defensive performance like this. Just throwing that out there. Got to go back uh, a long time to see that kind of result. Frustrating to say it. Nonetheless, Potsdamas, Kyle and I both went one and one this week. I Kyle had Texas winning the ground game by more than 35 yards. Did not happen uh, in the slightest bit. Honestly, I feel like we should take away a point because it was so bad. Didn't That's, I say they would have uh, double-digit
1: tackles for loss in the first half? Did I say that? No, no, no. no, no. I guess it. you, you did <laughs> not say
0: that. Uh, Texas did win the turnover battle, though, so that got you one point. I missed on JT Sanders going over 70 yards. I was close, but close don't count. He had 61 yards. He catches one more of those, uh, and he goes over, but that's fine. But I did have Texas holding them to less than 50% on third down. It did not, however, see Texas only converting one. Third down. So was it, was it was it thirty eight
1: percent? What they held them to? I think it was it was under forty as well. I mean that was a it was yeah. th- they were legitimately very good on third down defensively. That that also was a piece of it where that had been their biggest weakness. So I did want to call that out I- I- as well. I mean when talking in platitudes about this defense, that is deserved to to be brought up.
0: Thirty eight percent on third downs. Average distance to go nine point four. Average yards gained five point four. A big big performance. Three of. Uh, two of Texas's five sacks actually came on third down, so that was That's a big, huge. big deal for the defense. Again, the defense—it's—it's—I'm I, I, out of words. I'm out of words. It's fine, Kyle. I will be okay. I actually don't know if I will be okay, but we'll be back this weekend. While Kyle might be back, I will be in transit from my home to the uh, great state of Texas going to visit my folks for the Thanksgiving holiday. So Kyle will be holding it down on the post-game live stream for for us this weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday with our full game recap excited to uh get to listen to Craig way on the radio for this one it's gonna be fun so now's a part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. Uh, number three women's basketball open the season with a big win over Louisiana 68 to 45 uh, before heading to Connecticut and falling to the Yukon Huskies number six team in the country 83 to 76. A lot of good coming from those games, but also seeing Rory Harmon miss her second game uh, was really probably a big reason why Texas struggled in that UConn uh, matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, both of them, right? Texas won 68-45 and it's a good Louisiana team, don't get me wrong, but they had 25 turnovers in that first game without Harmon. I mean, it just felt like they were planning for Harmon to be the point guard and and Shayla Gonzalez, who's a good shooter and a a good point guard in her own right, who stepped in the the BYU transfer, um, is certainly not as good at facilitating and, and protecting the ball the way Vic likes, uh, as, as Rory Harmon was, right? Rory Harmon was exceptional. That's why she was an All-American. Um, look, just macro for both of these games. Vic teams play best in March. We know that. This is more than probably ever for a Vic team because we're in the transfer portal era uh, and they haven't really had to do this much. A lot of their contribution is from freshmen or transfers in a way that you haven't typically seen from a Texas team. So all that said, this was a really good test of, of, you know, two first games uh, for them. Louisiana is a good team, um, and UConn looks to be a a really good team. Um, The big thing that I saw is Taylor Jones, who missed all the scrimmages, played well in both games, 21 points uh, against Louisiana, and then 10 points, eight rebounds, three blocks against uh, UConn, which UConn has some great bigs, and she really needed to be big in there. Um Sonia Morris had 21 in, in against Connecticut, but she had to go up against Steph Curry's protege, right? Steph Curry chose to wear yeah. a a uh woman's basketball jersey and the, the one that he wore was uh Ozzie Fudd, who who um is also, admittedly, signed to Steph Curry's new uh like marketing thing he's doing. Um so it makes sense there, but she was unbelievable. Career high, career everything. Four for seven from deep, thirty-two points, four assists. Um, UConn won the fast breaks, fourteen to two, and that was kind of it. Really, this game was close, just back and forth in the first half, and then UConn went on this run. They went on a, a, um, an eight-zero run to close out the half, and Texas never recovered. Texas lost by seven in this game. Um, Texas did a good job getting it close late. I mean, two-seven, they were down double digits. Uh, UConn definitely extended that lead, but that was the when you. It's a game of runs. It was that run when Texas been so good at closing halves previously and vic will certainly harp on that but again if you have a seven point loss on the road to a uconn team that was that you know was in a an amped up environment um they retired Swin Cash's jersey before the game, which I didn't realize was only the second ever uh, with Diana Taurasi, uh, the second ever women's jersey retired. Ray Allen's also up there. They're the only three jerseys in those rafters, which is crazy thinking about the talent that's come through there. But so the crowd was super amped up for this one, a top five matchup. Again, you're going with all of these moving parts without your your point guard on the road to a, to a hostile environment. It was a good game, and I think they'll learn from it. I think they, they'll carry with this – uh, some things, you know, into the tournament. Um, I liked, you know, we saw Jackalenga get in double digits, both of these as a freshman. We, we like what she does. Amina Muhammad uh, showed an ability to, to beat people off the dribble as a big in this one that I didn't know she had. Um, so there's some things. Again, we're talking about freshmen here. Vic doesn't like to play freshmen, um, but they're, they, you know, that's the, they're getting their rotations. They're getting their lineups. They, this is a team that's deep. They've won the bench scoring in both of their games by like 20 points each. This is a team that's gonna play a lot of people and that only will, deepen when rory Harmon comes back but I, I think you know having Harmon, it would have been really interesting to see this game maybe it'll be a matchup in postseason we'll see a rematch but uh, i think they'll ultimately learn from this and it'll make them a better team
0: yeah this is i don't think this is something to like sound the alarm on right i think texas is going to be fine i think um you have rory Harmon, who's kind of your like chief ball handler out in texas turn the ball over like 25 times right yep. um It's like that to me, like you can, I could point to the exact thing that will be different, uh, three months from now right when it's when it's february january february march and texas is running through the conference like the rory Harmon will not be on the sidelines in street clothes or at least hopefully she won't be right like that to me is a big deal for texas and when she comes back i think the the offense will look different i think the defense will look vastly different yes uh, they're like both of both ends of the both ends of the court will look demonstrably different with rory Harmon on the court they will turn the ball over fewer times and they will force more turnovers like both of those things will happen
1: i don't think they get enough. I don't think she gets enough credit for her defense. She was an all-conference defender as a freshman, led the Big 12 in steals as a freshman. I mean, she obviously is is a great facilitator of the offense a good scorer a fantastic you know ball handler all those things are true i don't think she gets enough credit for being the spear of vic's very difficult to learn and, and implement defense and they they it showed it that 14 to 2 fast break advantage was a lot of times uconn breaking the press and getting easy layups right that's 12 points this was a seven point game that's your game um so i mean there are little things right there and i and i, I agree i think Just the whole team, all those transfers, again, learning Vic's defense the way you want it, where you need to be, you know, uh, where you are after you're in that spot, like all those things that Vic preaches and sometimes it takes half a season to get, I think, you know we We will see a really good team uh come out of this, but uh, you also saw a really good team in Yukon. People thought they were down this year with Paige Buchers out for the for the year uh she's coaching, which is which is a fun little wrinkle um but i I don't think it matters when the number one player in in her own class, Ozzy Fudd, steps up to look like you know
0: the best player in the country. It's shocking when the best player in the country does best player in the country things uh number sixteen soccer. Advances to the NCAA tournament, the next round of the NCAA tournament, with a 3-1 to one win over A&M. The only thing better than making a deep tournament run is doing it at the expense, expense of your rival. It's goodbye to A&M. Yeah, buddy. Jilly Shimkin kicked things off in minute 12 with an unassisted goal. AM got a PK that was eh, potentially controversial, but Texas answered uh, with Tr- Trinity Byers answered with her 17th goal of the year, breaking a school record. 14 minutes later, Ashlyn Miller picked up her first goal of the year to uh, put the uh, no-doubter in there. I think Texas got a little bit of a breathing room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Byers... Um, Setting that single season record is awesome for her. Also tied her for the NCAA uh, lead in match winners with her seventh of the season. Missimo got uh, an assist, which was her 15th of the year, which broke her own record. She was admittedly tied with Kelly Wilson. Uh, Both those records were held by Kelly Wilson, but was tied with Kelly Wilson with 14 last year. Um and now 15 this year in her second year she's real good and she missed a lot of games this year, um so we yeah so she'll just have to break that next year her junior year but Massimo doing things as well I think this is a this is a good team that's that's in a good spot they again we're we're seated too low so they have a really tough draw uh, coming up but uh you know they they've played well on the road this year and and gotten some good results so I'm excited to to see and and you know that Friday will be. Uh, a good Longhorn Sports Day, but the the one that will probably be most exciting is is this soccer team trying to get to a Sweet Sixteen.
0: Absolutely. So they've got to take on the Duke Blue Devils in Durham. Duke coming off a four 0 win over Radford. Uh, they lost in the ACC Championship in their last outing against UNC seven to six in P k's number one volleyball back to its winning ways that's how big the weekend was where uh volleyball is like fourth in down the 40 but uh swept OU. no big deal light work 25 to 14 25 to 19 25 to 10 in norman again just an absolute beating uh, of the sooners which always feels great
1: uh season high 12 aces including uh kielani akana who had five um you knew the the names that you hear every week in this section madison skinner and logan engelson were both phenomenal 13 kills apiece. skinner 10 digs Eggleston, a 400 hitting percentage with two digs this was uh you love it you love to go into norman and sweep the sooners just in an absolute no doubter anytime again we, we said if you get a single digit set unbelievable 10 unbelievable 14 great i mean they they dominated and it, it was nice to watch
0: Next up for Texas, back at the Greg for Senior Night. If you're in Austin, you should check that out. Men's basketball last outing was a little bit ago, but 83-31 to 31 win over Houston Christian. The second consecutive sellout for the men at the mood, right? like The Moody Center is going to um, revolutionize uh, people's perception of Texas basketball's home court advantage, and I'm so excited to see it.
1: I really liked what Texas did with the A. George promotion night, which was hilarious. Um, but they also said if you want a ticket to the big one it's coming up next, Gonzaga, you had to be there for this one. So um, I like... What we've seen, we're going to have three consecutive sellouts to open up the mood. Um, I hope that continues all year. I think people are getting excited. I think Beard's... Um, whatever he's done on the court, whatever he's done in recruiting, I think the best thing that he has done at UT is really change the culture of fandom around UT basketball and give him that home court advantage. Obviously, opening the new arena helps with that, um, but it was the right coach for the right time for that. He really pushes that um, kind of fan culture, and they, um, you know, the, the fans, to their credit, applause to you, are showing out also to the team. They... <laughs> You know, uh, no starter played over 23 minutes. Uh, I think only two starters played into the 20 minutes uh, of time. This was a full team; everyone got to play, everyone got points. It was pretty spread out. They had six players in double digits. They just they just did what they did, and and were absolutely dominant.
0: 31 points allowed is tied for the second fewest points in program history, which I think that's good. Right, Tech's been playing basketball for just a little bit, so uh, it's it's nice, nice to see. Uh, But now a team that's going to score more than 31 points Gonzaga coming to town marquee matchup this weekend. And finally, the men's and women's cross country teams both finished second in the South Regional the NCAA tournament to qualify for the championships in Stillwater this weekend. The women are making their first trip since 2019 technically they qualified in 2020 but COVID um, canceled the tournament. The men qualified for the 6th consecutive season, which is a big deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All conference and all region honors for seven, I believe, long Ridge, two on the women's side, Beth Ramas and Isabel Huebner, who just, you know, first race of the year uh, was a. Uh, top 10 finish for, for her. So that's a good thing to to uh, to take into nationals with you. Um, but Ramos, you know, has, has been the heartbeat of that team as well. So excited for both of them and for the team. Again, qualifying um, there. I've uh, had individual contributors, but not the team on the men's side. Uh, two top 10 finishers. Uh, Isaac Alonso's runner-up half-two night uh, was fifth, and he was disappointed with that last year's winner. So, you know, he's going to have a fire lit under him. Um, and then uh, Roger Rivera, Abraham Avila Martinez, uh, both tw- 12th and 13th finishes, and then 23rd was Emmanuel Segura. So all five of those, again, got all conference, all region honors. Congrats to... All of them. It's good to see the uh, the outdoor uh, long distance track doing as well as as the uh, indoor and in the uh, stadium track did last year. Uh, Of course, winning multiples of national championships there. So it's good. Good to see cross country coming together. If we can do that, the track program is is just just
0: a monster. The coaching change for the cross country team is working out. So quick look at the week ahead. Tuesday, you'll be listening to this. The Tower will be lit for soccer's Big 12 regular season title. It was a ring for them, so they'll light up the Tower Orange. Wednesday, you've got men swimming and diving hosting the Texas Diving Invitational. Volleyball is going to host Kansas. And then to cap off the night, men's basketball is going to host Gonzaga at the Mood. We'll likely not have results for any of that by the time we record our preview show, but that's okay. We'll get them to you in next week's Tuesday show. you should honestly probably. Just keep up with them on your own. Don't wait for us. Like Follow the other sports. It's great. Uh, Friday, soccer is going to be in Durham, taking on Duke. And then Saturday, we've got cross country at the NCAA championships. Football will be Lawrence taking on the Kansas Jayhawks at 230. Women's basketball will be in the Bahamas. Much better place to be than Kansas. And then volleyball hosting Baylor for senior night, their last regular season home match of the year. They'll likely have one in the tournament, but this is going to be senior night.
1: And honoring some legends, right? Logan Eggleston uh, finally playing her last uh, regular season home match. Uh wish she could get like five more years. She's such a freaking... <laughs> five
0: more years. Yeah, she's five an all-timer. Five more years. Uh,
1: just truly. I Like when we do a Mount Rushmore, we have to definitely talk about uh, the career she's had. Um, I need them to just put this all together and let it finish also with a national championship. But we got a couple weeks to talk about that. It's a packed, packed week. I love it. Um, I'll talk about that a little in the next section about... What a good uh,
0: what a good semester it has been. And so speaking of, now is the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, whether she be one or two, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So it was sad to watch a Texas
1: football team lose at home. Uh, the fans were fantastic. Um, congratulations, to them for showing up and showing out. Um, I, I, I did all of this uh, research and math before the the Yukon game, so uh, you'll excuse that these are, 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 are uh, just a smidge outdated. Um, but the the loss at at home was devastating, as we talked about for a lot of ways. But it was also devastating because Texas has been real good, real 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 good at home um, in, in in individually you know competed sports. I'm taking. Uh, Golf and cross country out because they're tournament style, right? You're competing against multiple teams at once. But sports where you play another team in head-to-head competition um, this semester so far. Texas is 62, 8, and 3. Almost a 90% winning percentage. Let me say that again. 62, 8, and 3 for the entire semester. We know Texas is a spring uh spring sports school but they've been pretty darn good in fall obviously football making up a a bulk of those uh losses unfortunately but uh, they've been good i mean they started off good seven and one in august uh they they kept it going in september 17 three and two october was phenomenal 27 wins three losses uh one draw um the only loss they've had in the month of november is tcu the the loss again. Uh, UConn is, is now added to that, so they've had two in quick succession, unfortunately. But um, they've been good on the road, thirty-three and three. But they've been elite at home in thirty-eight home games on the forty acres in all of the different uh, arenas and uh, venues on campus, thirty-four, three, and one draw. Basically, it's been really good teams. TCU, a number four team, uh, they they did have a loss. I will say it. Um, they had a loss at home. Um, against uh, Texas State in softball, in fall ball, and I'm counting that. I will, I will add that in. But if you take that one out or you skip past that, their last loss on the 40 acres with any sport for the Texas Longhorns between TCU was Alabama which again is contested because I, I play that game under protest. Um, the fact that, you know, that was a safety and so um, we'll just call it a, a no decision. Um, if you go past that, then the, the only only other loss at home uh, this year was against number two, uh, North Carolina who is number two right now and looking all the favorite to win the national championship in soccer. They've lost to arguably the best soccer team in the country at home, 2-0. to zero. They lost to a dynasty in Alabama for one of the most hyped games, twenty to nineteen by one point, and they lost to TCU when Crystal Conti came and said he wanted to create a home field advantage, he wanted all the sports to rise, he wanted Austin to be the center of it. This is what we 're talking about again, we have rowing, we have uh, some powerhouse sports coming up in the spring that that win national championships golf uh, tennis you know we 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 have some of our best sports coming in the spring but in the fall to their credit Texas stood up and and let me just commend the Texas fans coming out uh, a couple years out of covid shutdowns and lockdowns and no fans feels like people are showing up are being loud uh, there is a, a football home field advantage. There is an absolute home court advantage at the Moody Center. There is something about having to travel to Austin that maybe hasn't been there. And so kudos to all of you, to the fans who are showing up and showing out. Kudos to, to the coaches of these teams, um, you know, playing with heart at home. And, and, and you know, kudos to, to the players, right? They, across all those sports, they have competed their tails off. And it's been a fantastic fall season with the chunk of of postseason right around the corner, hopefully a capstone on that will be some national championships or some at least very deep tournament runs.
0: I mean, Texas is likely going to have at least one national championship this, like, fall semester, if not, like, again, rowing is kind of in that weird, like, half-ish, whatever. I mean, Texas is going to make it run at a national championship for volleyball, for sure. Um, Like, soccer is actively making a run at a national championship. Like, cross-country is probably not going to win a national championship, but darn it, they're there. Mm -hmm. Like, this has been... And that's the wildest – there's a longer conversation to be had about judging the merits of an entire athletic department based on uh, the football program. Yes, it is the moneymaker, but, like, overall and overwhelmingly, the Texas athletic department is doing really, really well for itself um, and has really represented itself, especially in – like Again, women's athletics have been just absolutely knocked down like in, insane for Texas and have won Texas the Director's Cup. The reason why Texas was on the field getting a check, uh, Chris Del Conte and the uh, rowing team on Saturday, is specifically because of women's athletics. So it's just been absolutely incredible to see. And you and I love women's athletics as well. We do want to see the football team successful, uh, and that we're not saying that, but also like the athletic department is doing okay. So speaking of that, I'm banging the drum this week on... The concept of nuance, right? And I don't want to get like too philosophical and high-minded, but one of the things that frustrates me about having any sort of conversation or opinion about Texas football um, when things are not going well or or when things are going well even uh, is introducing nuance into the conversation. Seemingly – turns you into one of two things in people's eyes, right? If things are going bad and you tell people, well, some perspective, let's talk about things, you get called a sunshine pump or you get called too positive, right? When you tell people that firing a coach in year two, uh, especially when the entirety of the recruiting class hinges on his personal relationship with the quarterback uh, (laughs) is dumb, people want to argue with you that that isn't actually the case, right? Um, when Texas is winning and you say, hey, maybe let's talk about these things that are flaws that we're seeing, people call you negative. And so, like, I just, like, and you and I try to do this really well, and you and I naturally bend optimistic, but, like, the conversation around Texas football specifically has to be done with some nuance, right? Like, yes, the four losses this year have been frustrating there's no two ways around it seeing texas piss away four really winnable games in in a year in which they probably could have uh had so much more is frustrating that being said the vast majority of us had texas at nine and three or eight and four before junior junior angelao and Isaiah NAR got hurt right so like Nuance to the conversation. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, you're allowed to be frustrated. I'm not telling you don't be frustrated. I was frustrated. I'm frustrated every Saturday when I see these things. Even in wins, I get frustrated. But what I'm saying is we have to, like, have the caveats, have the grains of salt with this. Like, yes, Quinn Hewers has sucked these last three games. Kyle and I have talked about it at length. That being said, he is an 18-year-old quarterback making his first – or he has made seven – Starts of note since December of 2020, and is growing into it. A lot of us, when he was named the starter, said we're going to have to be okay with growing pains if this is where we want to go. And now we're seeing the growing pains, and we're all calling for Sark to bench him, or we have reporters saying that Sark should chastise him publicly in a press address. Like, pull your head out for like half a second, uh, and, and like think about that. The oldest leadership adage in the book, and I know you're a, tw- a 30-year-old reporter who hasn't led anybody, but like praise publicly, critique privately. And the fact that Quinn Ewers rattled off my footwork is bad so easily when he was asked about it means that I bet AJ Milwe, Steve Sarkeesian, and probably somebody else on that coaching staff has said, hey, kid, your footwork sucks. That's why your deep ball is sailing, right? There is a lot of nuance to this conversation, right? Like, there is a lot of frustrating things to go around. Xavier Worthy, had, the lack of connection on the deep ball has been frustrating. Bijan Robinson not being as aggressive in some spots, I'll go ahead and say it, as he should have been to get yards when, when things aren't going well, has been a little frustrating in moments. Now, obviously, you can't critique a guy like Bijan because he'll crack a big one off every now and again. But, like, there are things that you can talk about and have multiple sides of the coin. Right. But the fact that we don't want to have the nuanced conversation is the reason why we end up wanting to fire coaches in year two, because we don't want to have the nuanced conversation around that. And to me, I'm fed up with it.
1: it. Gerald, you, you, you have, uh, you've suffered fools. You've suffered trolls. Um, you've remained a paragon of logic and, um, that makes you an anomaly. Um, all, all I can say is, uh, Anyone who's serious and anyone who's making decisions should know that no coach is getting fired this year it's a silly 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 concept for the university of texas you have to build a program you have to give it a few years you just simply have to see out these recruiting classes build up where you want right like what did we talk about the trenches need to get better sarkeesian overhaul those. look our line has made leaps and bounds improvements our defensive line is starting to come on and we're still a year away from really kind of revamping that to where we want to like the We are preparing for SEC by overhauling our roster. Are there some glaring holes? Yeah, I'd like some more receivers. Yeah, I'd like some more safeties. There's some things. Sure, I get it. He's doing a great job um, of building this program. Now it's just, it should be the easy part. It's just finishing. It's just winning. And I get why it's frustrating. I do. But you're talking about freshman offensive linemen. You're talking about a freshman quarterback. You're talking about a freshman playing cornerback in in lieu of a senior who was hurt. Um, You know, you're, you're, you're talking about some key areas not having all of your weapons all of your guys and so would i like nine wins this year sure would eight wins be great sure like would seven wins be disappointing yeah probably but again we were five and seven last year we had deficiencies we're building we're moving we're going in the right direction if not as fast or as hyper speed as we would like um give it time let players buy in let players have the same coordinator for multiple years let players have the same head coach for multiple years like all the successful programs in the country have multi-year coaches right it's great what brian kelly's doing at lsu sure whatever but like give it some time if in year four or let's say we're texas a&m and in year five we're having this conversation sure raise ruckus but like just listen to gerald like if you don't do anything else in life just listen to gerald let him, let him be your conscience in how angry, how fiery, and fireable you, you, you should be. Uh, just in all things.
0: Just listen to Gerald. Uh, not in all things. It's fine. But, but specifically just that one bang the drum, I'd love for you to listen to me. But that's all we got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday with our preview show. Then, obviously, Kyle and a special guest will be back on Saturday for our post-game live streaming. Catch that on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and we'll see you on Thursday. And until then, hook them.
1: Hook them. TCU went didn't count because they got eliminated by the sign that said Fart Worth.